You're listening to the sermon audio from Redemption Church. Redemption Church exists to exalt Christ, edify the saints, and evangelize the world for the glory of God. For more information on Redemption Church, just go to redemption.church. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning, and let me invite you to turn to Psalm chapter 100, if you have your Bible with you. That's where we're going to be today as we give thanks to the Lord together for all that he has done here at Redemption Church. It is hard to believe that we have hit that two-year mark as a congregation, even amidst a pandemic in 2020. The Lord has continued to be faithful to us, and like so many things that we had hoped to do this year as a church, Uh, A lot has gotten changed. A lot has been delayed. One of the things we had hoped to do this day was to have some sort of church-wide gathering um, this evening. And of course, COVID-19 had had different plans. But but at the same time, we do want to pause and just give thanks to the Lord uh, for his faithfulness and this mile marker that we have had as a church. I know some of you were there from the beginning. Many of you, the Lord has brought in after the fact and At the same time, we just want to pause and and give thanks and think a little bit about what it means to give thanks to the Lord. So let me invite you to turn to Psalm 100. Let me read these five verses for us from this psalm. A psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, we have so many reasons, far above 10,000 of them, Lord, to give thanks to you. And Father, one of those many thousands of things that we could give thanks to you for, Lord, is the gift of your local church, particularly this local church. Redemption Church. And so, Father, as we spend this time this morning worshiping you, Lord, may our hearts be filled with gratitude as we give thanks to you, our only God, the God who has made us, the God who has adopted us, to you, the God who has formed us as your people, to the God who has sent us, the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, to gather us as his flock. Father, we give thanks. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. So on August 12th of 2018, the founding members of Redemption Church gathered in this very room to sign a covenant signifying our commitment before God to establish one of his churches. And over the last two years, I think we have seen above and beyond God's faithfulness to us 
as a church. And we have seen God do wondrous things as God has continued to grow us and mature us in the gospel as the Lord has added to our number new faces to to join a part of this covenant family. And so as we mark another year of God's faithfulness, what we hope will be many years to come if the Lord tarries in his return, we just want to pause today. We're taking a break from the book of Acts and we just want to give thanks to the Lord. When I think of all that the Lord has done these last two years, and even as I I look upon you, my church family, my heart just swells with gratitude as I think of what God has done. And I, I hope and I pray that many of you, particularly those that are covenant members of this church family, that you feel similarly on this anniversary that you give thanks to God for what he has done and bringing you into this body and the work that God is doing in you through this congregation. You know, Redemption Church was founded with a mission statement. It is right here on these banners here that we exist to exalt Christ, edify the saints, and evangelize the world for the glory of God. Exalt Christ, edify the saints, evangelize the world for the glory of God. That's what we have decided that the scriptures say that we ought to be about. Praising the Lord Jesus Christ, building one another up in word, and then taking that word and spreading it to our city and to the world, all for the glory of God. And so our ministry at Redemption Church has not been marked by the sort of flashiness that characterizes so much of the world today. Sadly, a lot of churches today We've tried to avoid fads and gimmicks, and our passion has simply been to let the Word of God be used by the Spirit of God to build the church of God for the glory of God. Let's just unleash the Word and Spirit in people's hearts and people's lives and in our community, and let's watch God work. And now two years in, I am still convinced still convinced that God uses the plain teaching of his word, particularly when combined with a committed covenant community that is united in a shared confession of faith, that God uses that in marvelous ways in people's lives. Because he's done it in mine. For us at Redemption Church, church was never about an event that you attend to on a Sunday morning. But it's a gospel community to which you belong. And I think that's part of what's made this whole pandemic so difficult for us as a church. It's been difficult for so many churches. But for us, just a gathering, as wonderful as it is, church is so much more than just listening to a sermon and singing a few songs. It's a community of people gathered and being formed by the gospel in the word. So the church, in so many ways, is an embassy of the kingdom of God on earth. As we think about the church, as we think about the future coming in the last days of Christ, the church is the the future eschaton of God's kingdom being ruptured into the present age. That, That in our midst, the rule of God is being displayed in a world that is in rebellion against his rule and his kingdom. God is doing marvelous things as the church is showcasing in this lost world the the beauty of Christ's reign over his people. I think God's doing that among us. You see, life in the church is intended to be a foretaste of heaven. It's a foretaste of heaven. 
It gives us an, an appetizer, if you will. It's a, it's a demonstration of God's grace in action where God takes sinners like you, like me, and he redeems us, washes us clean in the blood of Christ, and then he calls us to be his people, and then God, through his word and spirit, begin to do this work of forming us into the pattern of Christ, shaping us, leading us to repentance of sin, growing in the righteous fruits of the Holy Spirit, that God is doing this work in the local church. Right? So, so if God is the potter and we are the clay, the church is the potter's wheel where he takes the messy lump of our lives, this clay, and he begins to shape us and make us useful and ornate and beautiful for his kingdom's cause. But that work of sanctifying takes place on the, on the wheel of the local church. The local church is the context through which God is doing his sanctifying work in our lives as believers. And so over these last two years, I'm convinced that the Lord is doing this work in us, that he has done it, he's doing it now, and he will continue to do it in the future. Now, we as a church, we are far from perfect. We still have so many areas in which we can grow in our faithfulness to Christ. The potter is not done with you. He's not done with me. He's not done with our church. There, there are more lumps that need to be smoothed out in our lives. But as I've thought about this anniversary, I want to lead us in a time of thanksgiving, of celebrating the ways that we have seen God at work among us as a church and give praise to God for what he's been doing these last two years. So rather than lamenting all of the, the, the lumps in our lives that we hope the Lord will smooth out sooner rather than later, I want to I help us instead focusing on what are some ways in which we've seen the evidences of the potter's sculpting in our lives as he's shaped us these last few years. What are these positive evidences of God's grace that we can identify right here in our midst, in this local body. And so to do that, we're going to look at Psalm 100. So if you want to jot down the sermon summary, it's really simple. In fact, you might not even need to write it down, but it's just simply a call. Let us give thanks to God for his work in us as Redemption Church. That's my, my plea for you this morning is, is to cause your heart to be thankful for the local church. And if you're not meaningfully connected to the local church, I pray that you might find your heart provoked by the Spirit of God to be a part of a body of local, local believers gathering together in Jesus' name. And if you're not a Christian, I hope that you might see that through the local church, God is displaying his grace and glory and that as you hear about the, the way God is working in our church, that it might lead you to yearn for the salvation to be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look at this psalm a little bit more carefully. It's a rather straightforward but beautiful little psalm, a brief psalm, but, but it's a psalm that joyously causes us to praise God for his work among his people. The psalm starts off as so many of the psalms in the Psalter do, with a call to praise, a call to worship 
if you will. The psalm begins with summoning us to make a joyful noise to the Lord, to serve the Lord, to come into his presence. You see, anytime God's people come into the presence of God, there ought to be an occasion in which this creates in us song and gladness. We come into God's presence with glad thanksgiving because God has been so good to us. And as we will discover in this psalm, when we begin to reflect on the ways in which God has been so good to us, and we begin to think about who our God is, the knowledge of God ought to lead us to a deeper gratitude for God. Now, if you're like me, sometimes you can struggle to have a grateful heart. It can be easy to be discontent, to be frustrated. And so those of us who have a more melancholic demeanor, we can often look at our lives and, and we see to, to see the glass a little less than half full, right? We, we can see our lives and be frustrated by our lives and all the trouble that is in our lives and all the things that are not the way they should be. This sort of pessimism when we look at our lives can lead to great discontentment against the Lord and a grumbling against the Lord. Discontentment can cause us to raise accusations against God as if he's not good or he doesn't care. Now, this is, a, I think, a temptation that all of us face as Christians at one point or another. So what's the remedy for that? Well, the remedy is thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the medicine for the ailment of discouragement. If you find yourself discouraged, bummed out, gloomy in your disposition, go get some time away and give thanks to the Lord and watch how that changes your heart. We must cultivate as Christians this, this discipline of attentiveness. We've got to pay attention. We need to have a watchful eye. We need to look for the ways in which we see the evidences of God's grace and provision in your life and in mine and in the life of our church. There is great wisdom to be had in learning to pay attention to what God is doing, particularly if you are one who has a, a temperament and a personality that is prone to, to lose your thoughts in stormy clouds. The means of grace and thanksgiving is what you need to commit yourself to. Look at what the psalmist urges us in, in Psalm 136, verse 1, for example. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. You see, so we must learn to gather, as Christians, a storehouse of memories. Those precious moments in our lives that we so quickly forget, but those moments in which it is so clearly evident that God is proving his faithfulness yet again, time and again. We must, we must work against our amnesia that we tend to have in the Christian life. And instead, we must, we must commit ourselves to recording and recalling evidences of God's working and faithfulness in our lives. And when you begin to collect that storehouse whether it's in a journal or just simply recalling those attentions to your memories or gathering with other people and recalling areas in which God has been faithful, when you begin to gather that storehouse, you will find that making a joyful noise in the presence of the Lord is not a difficult thing to do. When you begin to ponder on his wondrous works of mercy in your life, 
That when you begin to think about God and all that he has done for you, not only in the Lord Jesus Christ, but, but in also all the many blessings that he has entrusted to you, you will, you will dance in his presence. Singing will not be hard. So the specific cause of thanksgiving in Psalm 100 is the Lord's gracious work in forming a people. That's why this psalm is so appropriate for this occasion, isn't it? So look at, look at what the psalm says here at verse 3. It says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So this psalm is talking about the wondrous work of God making his people. Now, making here, of course, is not just referring to the fact that God created us. That's part of it. But the psalmist is really celebrating the the Lord making a people, making a community, making a flock. That's the cause of thanksgiving here in Psalm 100. Not only has God gifted us with life, but he has redeemed us by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. He has reconciled us in our relationship with the Lord. But not only that, but God takes we as individuals made right with the Lord, and he brings us into a community formed by that gospel, a community of redeemed sinners to the praise of his glorious grace. The apostle Peter talks about this how God forms us as a people when he writes, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Peter says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, it's that truth that Peter's talking about in 1 Peter 2. That's that's what the psalmist is praising God for here. How God takes these random assortment of individuals, not only makes them and creates them, he redeems them, and then he brings them into a community of people for the praise of his glory. Because the gospel not only redeems sinners, praise be to God, but the gospel knits together a community a people united in love, bound by the Holy Spirit, together in Jesus. It's what the gospel does. And so as I consider Redemption Church, I am astonishingly grateful for what God has done in bringing us together. Because we are a group that is so very diverse. It's strange us all being together in the same room least in the eyes of the world. But somehow God in his providential working has been working in our lives individually to bring us together into this covenant community of the local church called Redemption Church. So not only have you and I been called into salvation through Jesus Christ, not only have we been called out of darkness into light, but God has placed us in this church family. He has placed us among this people so we can live out the gospel, so that we can grow in the gospel, so that we can proclaim the gospel together. And as different as we all are, I can't be, uh, help but be amazed and grateful to God that the sweet fellowship of grace 
is so evident in our lives together as a church family. I mean, just think about it for a second. How terrible would it be to have to live the Christian life alone? Some of you have tried. Probably didn't work out so well. Not the way God intends it to be done. To have the burden of repenting of sin and learning and teaching and praying and ministering in Jesus' name, to try to do all of that by yourself, it's not the way God intends it. God has designed you and I as human beings made in his image. He has designed us to have communion, not just with the Lord, our blessed Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our triune God, but God has designed you for communion with his people within the relationships that are formed as we are united by the Holy Spirit. And so over the last few years, we have watched God do this work. And I hope that for a lot of you that have been members in this church for any sort of time, that you've begun to become increasingly convinced of the gift and the necessity of having your life tied to a local church. It's absolutely essential if you hope to live the Christian life. So in response to God forming us as a people, we are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture, the psalmist says. In response to this, we give thanks. We bless his name. The Lord has been so good to us. Look at verse four. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good and his steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's give thanks. So as we seek to give thanks today, on this occasion, celebrating the second year of our existence as a church, Let's give thanks to God for this God who made us a people. This God who formed us as his flock, right? Because it's Jesus' flock. We are his people. And so as we do that, I just want to lead us in a time of thanksgiving. Particularly, I want to share with you six ways in which I see God at work among us as a church. Six, six ways that I'm spurred to give thanks to God for you but ultimately for him and God's work in you. So let me just share these six things with you. First, I'm thankful, and these are in no particular order, by the way, but Redemption Church loves the word of God. Loves the word of God. That causes me to be so very thankful. Paul urged the Colossians. He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. From the very beginning, Redemption Church has been a people of the book, a people committed to the authority of God's word, a church body committed to the, the sound teaching and division of that word, explaining it, instructing it. But not only that, but Redemption Church has had this insatiable hunger for the scriptures rightly taught. What an unusual thing to see in a church today. Praise be to God. And this is God at work among us. That as, as a whole, as you define our congregation and kind of who we are and what, what God is doing in our lives, that, that as a whole, we look at our lives and we are a people that, that have a hunger to grow in our knowledge of the word of God, to meditate upon it. We want to know the Lord. We want to know more about the salvation that we possess. And so our church body is, is one that commits to studying the scripture privately. 
to memorizing it, to giving ourselves to meditation upon it. And as we continue to grow, may we long evermore to be shaped, to have our lives conformed by the Word of God. Redemption Church is a church that loves the Word of God. It causes me to give thanks. Secondly, Redemption Church values unity. Redemption Church values unity. When Jesus prayed to his Father in that great high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, Jesus prays for the unity of the church. He says that the glory that, this is Jesus praying to his Father, the glory that you have given me and I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. See, unity of the church is so important, Jesus says. It's because when the church is united in a fellowship of love, it makes the gospel clear. Churches that aren't united, that are divisive and combative, obscure the gospel and mar the character of our God who is the three in one, our God who exists in unity. And sadly, a lot of churches struggle to find unity, the sort of unity that Christ longs for us to have. And so at Redemption Church, we believe, and we were committed from the beginning, that unity begins with a shared commitment to the authority of Scripture and articulating what we believe Scripture teaches in a clear confession of faith. That was a big part of who we were when we first founded this church. It's one of the reasons why we recite the Apostles' Creed together to emphasize Right, that the unity that we have it doesn't come from some sort of sentimental attachment or aspiration, but it comes from doctrinal conviction and commitment. Churches founded on the latter quickly crumble in division, and the former quickly crumble in division. But churches that are built upon the authority of the word and find their unity and what they believe God's word says, that is a church in which the sort of unity Jesus describes is possible. So I've seen the Spirit of God work in us these last couple years to continue to unite us as a people. I've seen this first and foremost among our elders at Redemption Church, as we have shepherds in our congregation who long to preserve peace and who long to converse with humility. I know you as church members, you're not typically in our elders' meetings, but those elders' meetings are such a sweet time as each man speaks with humility and grace and kindness, even when there's disagreements. And when two or more are gathered, Christ is there, but probably disagreement too, right? And so, that, so but, but even in, in disagreement, there is love and unity and grace and kindness that our elders show to one another. Each man is eager to preserve the unity of the local church first and foremost among the elders of the church. And even when there are differences of opinion, even among the elders, the, each man is quick to listen, slow to speak. Every man puts the, the interest of Christ above his own personal interests. You see, unity in the church so often begins with the church's leadership. And I just continue to give thanks to God for our elders and for the way the Spirit of God has produced such unity among us. And that unity has cascaded down 
into the life of our congregation. Because that unity is not just evident among, among the elders of our church, but it's also evident among its members. Redemption Church does not have the spirit of grumbling like Israel had in the wilderness. You as a congregation continue to display a humble trust in your leadership, and you have sought to serve others, even uh, over yourself. Each of you have given a careful, careful watch over your own heart. You have been quick to forgive one another when we sinned against each other, and we have. You have resisted the temptation of harboring bitterness and resentment against other members in our congregation. If love covers a multitude of sins, that love has produced a sweet unity in our body, unlike anything I've experienced in the local church, even amidst a pandemic where there are so many different opinions on this matter. The church as a body, as a whole, even in your disagreement, continues to make the unity we have in Christ central. And I praise God. I give thanks to God for that. Thirdly, Redemption Church commits to its membership covenant. This is the third cause of thanksgiving for me. That, that another cause here is that you as members take your responsibility as members seriously. You're committed to them. Every time we gather for a members meeting, one of the things we do is we recite our membership covenant together. And as I consider that covenant that, that we have all signed in entering into this body, I think there are so many statements that just make me grateful for what God is doing in us in our commitment to our membership covenant. Here's one such statement that comes from our church covenant. We will walk together in brotherly love as becomes the members of a Christian church exercise an affectionate care and watchfulness over each other and faithfully admonish and entreat one another as occasion may require. And I've seen the commitment you've had to doing just that, particularly as you have sought to exercise an affectionate care and watchfulness over each other, meaning that you have cared for one another spiritually that you have given attention to one another for each other's souls, for you're concerned about each other's spiritual health, even if it requires that sort of gracious intervention in each other's lives. You see, even though we are all redeemed sinners by the grace of God, every one of us, because we are sinners, have this propensity to stray away from the Lord, prone to wander, Lord, I fear it. Right? We, we have that tendency to wander away from the Lord, and yet God's people and the covenant membership that we have together is a great means of grace in restraining that tendency we have to wander because we know we've got brothers and sisters that love us enough to prevent us from wandering. They're going to love us to, to pull us and reach us and to, to not let us be succumbed to our own temptations of sin. Many of you continue to show that sort of genuine care for one another. Many of you have had long conversations about where each other are in terms of their spiritual lives and their spiritual growth. You, help, you hold each other accountable. You get together to pray and check in on one another's souls. 
I know some of you don't realize that's happening as numerous as it is, but as, as the pastor kind of hearing and seeing what's going on in the life of church, it is so encouraging to hear the way you as a member are, are caring for other members, even as you're being cared for. It's an amazing and beautiful thing. So another area of our church covenant where I think God has done a marvelous work in us is, is your commitment as a church to supporting the work of the ministry. Here's something else our church covenant says that we've signed as covenant members. We will work together for the continuance of a faithful evangelical ministry in this church as we sustain its worship ordinances, discipline, and doctrines, we will contribute cheerfully and regularly to the support of the ministry, the expenses of the church, and the spread of the gospel through all nations. And again, as members, as I think about what God has done these last two years, I am just so encouraged by our many faithful volunteers who come early and unload trailers and spread out chairs and the many volunteers we have on the Redemption Kids hallway and their willingness to prepare and to teach and to serve and to set up. I'm continuing to be encouraged by the many volunteers. In addition to that, the church's continued financial faithfulness and giving to support the needs of the ministry, even in the middle of a pandemic. You as members have continued to be faithful to the Lord and giving and supporting the ministries of the church. Just in two years of existence, we have already purchased land in cash for our future home off of Merck Road. And our elders are right now, we're busily in the middle of trying to figure out what those next steps are to get a permanent building for our church to gather in. You see, God has done all that in just two years, two years. And while so many churches have continued to struggle into this pandemic, as I'm sure many churches will sadly close their doors, the members of Redemption Church have not eased off their commitments to Christ and to his church, not in the slightest. And so that causes me to give thanks to God be the glory for his work in you and in us as a congregation. Here's number four. Fourth reason I'm thank thankful for this church, Redemption Church displays gracious hospitality. Gracious hospitality. Peter instructs the church, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So you as a congregation, you continue to open up your lives to other people in service to others. And the Holy Spirit is working in you and through you as you do just that that you welcome one another, not just into each other's lives, but you even welcome those who are outside of the, of the faith. You, you refuse to be cliquish in terms of life in the body. You continually open up your lives to new people around you. We frequently hear from guests and visitors that come how warmly they are welcomed and the, the genuineness of the love that seems to be just on display in our life together as a congregation. As the Lord Jesus Christ has loved you and served you, so too are you replicating that service and love in ministry to others. The, there's so much grace evident in the way you live your lives openly in service to other people. 
Fifthly, Redemption Church longs to grow in maturity. Fifth reason I'm thankful. Redemption Church refuses to be complacent in their walk with Christ. There is this healthy longing in the body to know more of the Lord, to grow further in holiness, to repent of sin, to long to put on the the fruits of the Spirit that we desire. And I'm so encouraged by just the, the constant hunger for spiritual growth in the life of the church. It's so very much tied to the Word of God. I'm, I'm encouraged that so many of you are reading good books and you're coming up to me and you're telling, you're telling me what you're reading, what you're learning. I'm so encouraged by how so many of you are gathering around together and talking about God's Word and what you're reading from it and what it's teaching you. I'm so encouraged by the participation in our community groups and the way that you are committed to helping one another grow and applying the preached Word of God. And I'm encouraged by things like theology breakfast and our women's leadership training in which there seems to be so much palpable hunger to grow and to learn and to have our minds and hearts stretched and thinking and knowing what the word of God says. You see, spiritual maturity in our church is not the pursuit of just a few devoted members, but by God's grace, this is becoming the aim of the whole church as it ought to be the whole church aiming to grow together in the knowledge and wisdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the wonderful thing about Redemption Church is that there's such a wide range of spiritual maturities in this congregation. Some of you are are just starting out in your Christian faith. You've came to know the Lord recently, and so you're in a lot of ways still learning the basics of what the Bible says and what it means to, to be a faithful follower of Jesus. Others of you, maybe you followed Jesus for a very long time, but you've struggled with complacency in your spiritual growth for so many years. And now, in this environment in which spiritual growth is the norm, not the exception, you're you're feeling that desire to grow and to learn and want to know more of the Lord. And that complacency is going away. And perhaps for some of you, you've been having steady spiritual growth in your life for decades. And you continue to grow in the Lord because none of us are ever done this side of heaven. And now the Lord's given you an opportunity to be able to help others grow in Christ, to disciple and to teach and to train and to model. You see, Redemption Church has become a nursery for spiritual growth. And for that, I am so very thankful. So very thankful. And then sixthly, Redemption Church cherishes the gospel of Jesus. Cherishes the gospel of Jesus. It warms my heart to consider how frequently, how frequently you speak the gospel to one another. Every prayer, every conversation is pointing us back to Christ and his work. At Redemption Church, we, we want to stand with the Apostle Paul and say we're, we're not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for salvation. We believe that. And so each week when we gather for worship, we, we desire to make the gospel central. I love how you sing boldly about the work of Christ in your life. I love how the gospel in this church doesn't grow dull or familiar each week, but each week, each time we gather, you never cease to speak about the, the beauty of the redemption Christ has given us in his death. I rejoice that we can take the Lord's Supper together 
every single Sunday where we make the gospel explicit and we remind each other each week of the necessity and the need that we have for Christ and his redemption. You see, you as a church, you long to make the gospel known, to declare this gospel to the world in every way, I think, and I pray and I give thanks to God that Redemption Church is defined by her gospel centrality. And I give thanks to God for that. And as I consider all the wonderful workings of God, I'm just so grateful for God. I'm so grateful for Jesus. I'm sure you could probably come up with a much longer list than me. I'm just giving you six things that I, I'm just so encouraged by constantly. And I'm sure, I mean, we still have a long ways to go. If you're visiting here, we are not a perfect church, not by any stretch of the imagination. I, I, I'm, I'm sure if I took the time, I could rather easily discover six areas of improvement that we need as a church. So there, there are no perfect Christians, there's no perfect churches, but yet we have a perfect Savior, don't we? And our perfect Savior is at work. He's at work among us, and of that, I increasingly have no doubt. So let me close this time of Thanksgiving with perhaps a, a word of personal testimony. Now, as a young man in college, I, I remember wrestling with whether the church was all that necessary or not. I grew up the son of a pastor, and as the son of a pastor, I saw the good, I saw the bad, and I saw the ugly in the local church. And I felt the, the temptation of Satan in my heart in those early years of my adulthood. I felt that temptation of doing what so many of my generation have done and just abandon the church outright and try to, to live for God without his people. And by God's grace, I began to discover the scriptures with fresh eyes. I began to read the Bible and I began to have studies and learning about this vision for life in the local church that the Bible talks about that was profoundly different than what I had observed in my upbringing as a preacher's kid. And pretty soon I became convinced that the Bible doesn't just say that the church is a good thing in the Christian life or even that it's just necessary for the Christian life, but it's central to the Christian life. Again, it is that potter's wheel in which God does his work of sanctifying us and maturing us and growing us. So the church, I became, I believed it. As I read the word of God, I became convinced that the church was the place where God uniquely works in the lives of Christians to mature us and to use us to reach the world with the gospel. And so at the start of my ministry, as God called me to pastoral ministry and to the preaching of the gospel, which you might expect, I found so many joys in doing that, but I also found numerous sorrows in the process, experiences that showed me just how carnal fights for power and politics can ravage churches. I experienced the, the bitterness and the anger of of people who profess Christ and who lived and spoke in such a way that contradicted the gospel and the unity we ought to have as believers. And so many who tragically failed to practice New Testament Christianity. And so I, I've spent most of my 20s as a pastor trying to convince other Christians of a biblical vision for life in the local church. And to be frank, I was 
mostly considered an idealistic pastor, a young know-nothing who disrupted the status quo. Nevertheless, I I refused. (laughs) I refused to give up on what I believed the Bible said the local church can and should and ought to be. And I became ever committed to this vision of life together as God's people found in the word of God. And, And by God's grace, the Holy Spirit did not let me give up on that biblical vision that had gripped my conscience. Though I had never belonged to such a church, that I believe the scriptures taught. However, in Redemption Church, God has helped me to realize that living out what the Bible calls us to do as a church is not some pie-in-the-sky dream. It's not some ideal. It's called faithfulness. And the Holy Spirit is still doing this work. He hasn't stopped. He is still building up faithful, yes, flawed, but faithful churches today. And even though I'm humbled to be the pastor of a church like Redemption, I'm even more humbled just to be a member of a church like Redemption. Through your ministry and through your obedience to the Lord, you have helped me to experience joy I did not know was possible in life in the local church. When I long for the ministry of Christ to my soul, I remind myself of the ministry of Jesus' body that you so frequently give to me. You see, belonging to Redemption Church has caused me to yearn for heaven in a way I did not know possible. Our life together in this covenant community it, as joyous as it is, it is just a small fraction of the joy and love that awaits us in the age to come. And as we mark this second anniversary as a church, may we give thanks to God for his abundant blessings that he has given to us through this body, Redemption Church. Let's pray together. Father, I know that if we (laughs) had the time and opened up the microphone, I'm sure so many of our members could come up and and testify ways in which they can thank you, God, for the ministry they've received through this body. Lord, we have so many reasons to be thankful, so many causes to give thanks. But Father, above all, we are grateful for Jesus. We are grateful, Lord, that, that you have made us, that we are yours, that we are your people, that we are the sheep of your pasture. And so, Father, we come before you with thanksgiving and praise. Lord, you are so good. Your steadfast love endures forever and your faithfulness to all generations. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Amen.